mate. What is going on this week? It is so good to have you here for episode 42 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. My name's Maddie Graham, and today we are going to be digging into getting a home gym set up for an endurance athlete. What's the best way to do that? What gear should you have? And we're also going to take a look at post-race blues, getting into that wee slump after your big goal events. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Maddie Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. So, episode 42. Welcome. It's been a while since I've been in front of the microphone, so so it's good to have you here tuned in listening. In today's episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast, I am going to be answering two listener Q&A as well as uh, reading from the Performance Temple Handbook uh, to try and dig a little deeper into that because I've had quite a few questions about the Performance Temple. Before we do that, remember, if you have got any feedback for me, please send it in, whether that be questions, whether that be things you want me to dig into, or whether that just be general feedback about how you're finding the podcast, things you want me to change, things that I can do to improve. You can either do this through email, or it would be greatly appreciated if you can send it in via voice message. Even if you've got some feedback about how you're finding the podcast, send it through on a voice message. Uh, I am always super keen to find out how this is going down for you, how this is helping, if it's helping at all. Remember, the sole reason I set this podcast up, the reason I try and sit down every week and talk, is to help you with your goals, whatever they may be. So I want to know what you need to know so I can try and give it to you. So head over to exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash ASK, ask, leave me a question or just leave me some general feedback about how you are finding the podcast. It would be awesome. So just to follow up on uh, a question I had about the Epoch topic that I covered in episode 40. I think there was a little confusion around Epoch and some people ask well does it actually exist or is this thing just made up? Well no, yes it does exist and the other question was well does different type of training change it? Yes different types of training does change Epoch. So some sessions make it bigger so longer and harder training sessions make Uh, a greater post-exercise oxygen consumption. The point that I was trying to hammer home, I guess, is it's not all about epoch, okay? It's not all about how hard and how long you can push yourself so you get that afterburn effect. Uh, So I think epoch is overemphasized in some areas of the fitness industry, not to say that it's not important or that it doesn't exist or that some sessions change it, It's just not the be-all and end-all. If you're completely confused about what I am talking about, head back to episode 40 and have a listen to the segment that I do about excess 
post-exercise oxygen consumption and how it relates to different types of training. So apologies if I confused anyone out there. Sometimes the words coming out of my mouth don't match up with uh, what's going on in my brain. So apologies for that. But we will soldier on. So the Performance Temple. If you haven't already downloaded your free copy of the Performance Temple Introductory Handbook, do so over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com. Okay, this is a handbook that I put together uh, in 2014, I think it was, and it was my attempt to try and bring together my coaching and training philosophy into a format that you that people could practically use. So what I want to do now is just I want to read the introduction. And my idea here is that each podcast going forward, I will dig into each sort of component of the performance temple and hopefully uh, help you develop a greater understanding of it and how you can apply it more specifically to your personal training. So here is the introduction of the performance temple. The Performance Temple is the accumulation of what I have learned over the last 10 years working with over 600 athletes across a wide range of different sports. Six years of university education, self-guided study and my own experimentation in training and competition in endurance sports. I'm someone who values learning and I always ensure that I learn from my experiences both good and bad. Over the years, I have worked with different performance models, periodization theories, and training principles. I am yet to find the perfect, complete model that suits every individual. In an attempt to provide you with a framework that you can use to build your performance from the ground up, I have compiled the performance temple from everything I have observed, heard, experienced and learnt over this time. The performance temple model can be used by all athletes, no matter their sport or level, to improve their performance. It does not matter if if you are a complete beginner, weekend warrior or have goals of world domination. The performance temple is where you will find the way to develop your potential to achieve that elusive peak performance. In the age of 30 second abs, drive throughs and smartphones, everybody is looking for the easy way, a shortcut or the silver bullet. The truth of the matter is, if you want to be at the top of your sport, no matter what it is, there are no shortcuts. If something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. While it may give some short term gains, In the long term, it will likely impede your performance and cause harm. While there are no shortcuts, there are definitely smarter ways of training that that can help you get to your goal. The aim of the Performance Temple is to give you the required information to take your performance from wherever it is now to a place where you can achieve all of your performance goals. Most people think of training only in the physical sense. 
If you want to truly improve your performance and have a long racing career, then you need to treat your training in much more than just the physical sense. For six years, I studied the body's physical response to exercise to find the best way to train it, fuel it, and squeeze every last bit of performance out of it. What I discovered as I studied and worked with more and more athletes is that this physical training is only a small part of the equation. You can have the best plan in the world, but if it's not supported by a strong foundation, then you'll only be able to improve so much. In the performance temple, your physical training can be thought as as the roof. The roof is supported by four pillars. The stronger and more well-built these pillars are, the bigger the expanse the roof can cover. These pillars need to be built on a solid foundation, otherwise their weight would sink into the soft ground. If you only focus on building one aspect of your performance temple, it will quickly become unstable and will not be able to stand the stress of training and competing. Over time, cracks will start to appear, leading to injury, poor performance, and in the worst circumstances, complete collapse or overtraining. No aspect of the performance temple is more important than the other. Just like every single component of a watch is required for it to tell the time, every aspect of the performance temple is required for an athlete to perform at their peak. Now, if you have not seen the performance temple, you may be a little bit confused about what I'm talking about. But if you, if you, so if you haven't seen it, go and download the free introductory guide. But what I'm describing here is if you can imagine an ancient Greek temple with steps being the foundation, four pillars, and then a big roof. The underlying foundation of all performance is health and well-being. On top of that is your support network. And then the four pillars that I talk of are nutrition, function, recovery, and psychology. These four pillars support your physical training, the roof. And this is your traditional periodized uh, triangle, if you like, your periodized pyramid with technique and skills at the bottom, endurance, strength, speed, and power building on top of this. This performance temple model should set the foundation for all training. So that's a quick look into the introduction of the performance temple next week. We are going to take a look at the foundations of success, talking about health and well-being and the support network. So if you haven't already, head over to exponentialperformancecoaching.com, get your 100% free introductory look into the Performance Temple, which is a 28-page guide into each aspect of the of the performance temple if you want to know more specifics there are supplementary handbooks that can be purchased for a low price uh, that cover nutrition function recovery and psychology about those four pillars but more on that later so this week's first question let's hear it hey maddie it's john from nelson here i uh, love the podcast uh, learning heaps from it Hey, um, I'm winding up for a second attempt at the Coast to Coast Longest Day 
for 2019. It's been a while between drinks for me. Uh, 2014 was my last crack at it. Uh, and I've been pretty inconsistent since then with any sort of training. So um, since summer, I've been building up a bit of aerobic base through zone two sort of work, mostly running, and it's been feeling really good. Um, but my kayaking is definitely sort of my weakest discipline. I bought your Paddle Strong package, feel a little limited um, as I don't really have access to a gym. Uh, and so most of my sort of strength stuff I'm doing at home. And if I'm honest, I really hate strength training. So um, I tend to be a bit lazy and try and avoid it. So my question is, what would be the best sort of equipment for me to get um, for minimal sort of outlay, but just what I can do at home when I don't have access to a gym to gain some of those uh, strength sort of outcomes that I'm looking for when I'm uh, going to try and get that boost in my endurance that I'm seeking. Uh, cheers for your help. That's awesome. Thank you. When I'm uh, going to try and get that boost in my endurance that I'm seeking. Uh, cheers for your help. That's awesome. Thank you. Hey, John, mate, thanks very much for your question. Uh, and it's awesome to hear that, yeah, one, getting back into training with the Coast to Coast in mind, a very worthy goal to work towards over uh, over the winter. Um, and also great to hear that you've got the Paddle Strong strength training program for kayakers. Now, I guess a couple of things. So first of all, you say that you hate strength training, and I know a lot of endurance athletes, and especially multi-sporters, who love to just be out there training in the elements, uh, in nature. That's you know why we get into it, the love of the outdoors, I guess. So being stuck indoors is one of those things that you know, a lot of people struggle with. But the first thing I'd say is, is we just want to try and work on reframing that thought about strength training because if we have this negative attitude towards strength training then you know that's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy so to speak the reason that you strength train isn't to get better in the gym Uh, it's it's so that you can get better in your chosen sport and it's also so that you can do your chosen sport kayaking running biking in this case more often with less injuries uh, and if you want to get better at it and go faster well that can help as well so what I like to uh, sort of reframe it as is something that I call the tale of two banks okay the tale of two banks and I'm pretty sure I've talked about this in a previous episode but I couldn't for the life of me remember what that episode was so if anyone knows let me know but I'll, I'll talk about it briefly again so Imagine for a moment that you're standing outside two different banks. And when I say banks, I'm talking about a place where you deposit or withdraw money from. So you're standing outside these two banks and you're looking at each one, trying to decide where you're going to deposit your hard-earned money. So on your left, there's a big grey stone bank building. Inside this towering building, it's cold, uninviting, And the staff that are in there are are intimidating men in grey suits. When you walk into this strange environment, it feels rather hostile. You know, you must fill out all this confusing paperwork and follow a list of instructions to deposit your hard-earned money. It's like, why are you going through all of these steps just to give your money away? However, once your money is in this bank, you earn great interest on it. Okay, you earn great interest on your savings, greater than the second bank that we'll talk about in a minute. 
However, you always struggle to find the motivation to go into this bank and depart with your hard-earned money. So now take a look to your right and you'll see the second bank. You walk inside this bank and you're instantly greeted by a friendly face. You see a couple of your friends also making deposits at the same bank. This is a cool place. There's no confusing paperwork to fill out. In fact, you undergo a fun and interactive game to make your deposit. And you're instantly rewarded both internally and externally by your friends for your efforts. You don't really care about the interest rate that you're earning here because it's fun. And you don't get this much fun over at your other bank even though you're getting a bigger return on your money. So I think that this is a metaphor that's very similar to how a lot of endurance athletes view strength training in the gym. And can you guess what view and can you guess what bank most endurance athletes see the gym as? It's obviously the grey bank is their gym training and this other bank interactive it's friendly it's exciting you can upload your you know your data to Strava see how you're getting on competing against each other that's the other bank now I understand that the unfamiliar and intimidating gym environment can understandably put a lot of people off so heading into the gym to train or just you know a decrease in their motivation so even if the smallest obstacle pops up best best made plans are often derailed However, on the other hand, heading out on your bike, kayaking on the water, running in the hills with your mates, it's good fun. There's, you know, there's encouragement, you get to get out, you feel free, whatever it might be, you get all your training data that you can chuck on Strava, you get your GoPro footage uh, and chuck that Instagram photo up. Everyone gives you good interest on that with a thumbs up, so it makes you feel good about yourself. However, remember the interest rate. Remember the interest rate. You can get really good returns on strength training. Okay, really good returns, especially over the winter, uh, and especially if you've had niggling injuries uh, or you're over around 35. So here's a little bit of a a few steps I'd say to should you go and do strength training? Should you make the investment? Should you go through the unpleasantness of getting out there getting into the gym doing the exercises going through the pain so here's a couple of questions for you is your performance really important to you is the result really important if it's yes then go and do strength training because it's going to help your performance if it's no your performance isn't really uh, important to you you know you're doing it for the challenge uh, for the fun for the health for the fitness then no, okay, that's fine, just no. So if if your performance isn't overly important to you, let's have a look at these questions. So if your performance is important to you, you want to be competitive, do strength training, black and white, do strength training. If your performance isn't overly important to you, let's start thinking about a couple of different questions. Do you have a current injury? If you do, then you should be doing strength training. Are you over 40? Yes, I would highly recommend strength training, not just for your performance, but for your health in general. Uh, Muscle mass, bone density, uh, preventing falls in later ages. 
all of these things have been shown by research to be helped by strength training when you're over about 40. Muscle mass starts to decline as early as 30, so get on the on the wagon earlier. So if you've got an injury, I'd highly suggest doing strength training to get that right. If you're over 40, definitely recommend strength training, not just for performance, but for health. Do you enjoy strength training? If you do, obviously do strength training. It's got to be good for you. If you don't, and you have not answered yes to injury, over 40, or enjoying strength training, then I would seriously consider not doing it. And a lot of people might be shocked by that because I've just gone on about how good strength training is. But the matter of fact is, if your performance is not super important to you, you have no niggling injuries that need to be addressed, you're not over 40, and the health aspects of uh, strength training don't interest you, and you don't enjoy it, then why the hell are you doing it? Remember, sport is something that we do for fun, for most of us anyway. We're doing it for fun. So if it's not fun, don't do it. So plain and simple. So I'm not sure, John, how you sit on those questions, but let's say that you have opted for the strength training route because obviously that's what your question is about. If you want to know more about the training benefits of strength training, head over and check out episode 14 and episode 15. I do two specific episodes of the podcast around strength training, the benefits that you get that endurance athletes can do. But what I wanted to say is that a home gym setup is a really good option. You can get a lot of the indirect performance gains easily with a home-based setup. And if you don't understand what I mean by indirect performance gains, check out episode 14 and 15. I talk about them in depth in there. Direct performance and gains are about specifically improving your muscles' capacity to generate force. Indirect performance improvements come through strengthening muscles, tendons, ligaments, strengthening the core to help transfer a power to make you more structurally robust so that you're not getting those repeated injuries so that you can put more effort into your training out of the gym, your running, your biking, your kayaking. Again, if you want to know more about that, check out episode 14 and episode 15. So what gear could you get for a home-based setup? Well, you want to get some sort of weight, okay? Strength training is about lifting heavy things. When I first started in the strength and conditioning world, strength and conditioning was brilliantly described as picking heavy things up and putting them down for no particular reason at all and running while you're not being chased, okay? So the key thing we want to focus on here is getting some weight. Now this could be uh, a barbell set, and you can buy pretty good barbell sets. If you think back to the pump classes, that are often at gyms, the black bars, the black plastic weights that go on the end of those, you can pick up a set of weight for relatively cheap, for you know the $100 mark, brand new. If you go out and look for some second-hand stuff, it's out there as well. My home gym setup is a set of rusty old weights that my dad brought for me when I was 16, rusty metal old weights. It doesn't need to be anything flash. So it could be barbell, it could be some dumbbells, the little ones that you hold in your hand. You could get big ones that you hold in your hand, it doesn't really matter. Or there's a lot of good kettlebell options out there. It doesn't really matter what the weight is, 
sorry, in terms of the dumbbells, barbells, or kettlebells. You just want something heavy that you can pick up and put down for no apparent reason, okay? That is going to be key. And once you get the different types of weight, then you can adapt the exercises that you're doing. I mean, a squat is a squat, whether or not you're lifting a barbell, a dumbbell, or a kettlebell. It's just a different way of weighting the body or loading the body. Obviously, with a barbell, you can put a lot more weight on it on your back because a dumbbell and a kettlebell, you're limited with your grip strength, but that's not a bad thing. So get some sort of weight. The other really good thing is a Swiss ball, especially if you're a multi-sport athlete or a kayaker. A lot of exercises in the Paddle Strong uh, plan are about using a Swiss ball. Okay, so a Swiss ball is just a good thing to have at home uh, for a bunch of different exercises. The final thing I'd say is some bands, some big thick rubber bands. Now in uh, lieu of these, you could use uh, a mountain bike inner tube. If you get the thinner race weight ones, they're actually quite stretchy compared to the thicker ones that are a bit stiffer. Uh, and these can substitute pretty well for the big uh, bands. The bands are great for adding more resistance, doing rotational uh, strength work, that sort of thing. So it doesn't doesn't have to be much, as you can see. A Swiss ball, something heavy, and some bands, and you've probably got yourself a pretty good setup there. It's not so much about what you've got, it's how you use it. My home gym setup is pretty limited and I can get all of the indirect performance gains that I need quite easily. When it comes to the direct performance gains, and again if you don't quite understand direct performance gains, check out episode 14 and episode 15. But these are gained largely by using heavy weights, doing heavy squats, heavy deadlifts, that sort of thing. And my advice would be Either don't worry about getting the direct performance and gains or heading to the gym specifically during the training phase that you're targeting these to do that because they've got the big gear there. And unless you're going to fit your garage out with squat racks, uh, big Olympic bars, you know, a couple of hundred, hundred kgs worth of uh, weight plates, you're probably not, it's probably not worth it for you, okay, based on, on your question. So get a, get a good, cheap, basic home setup. Do the work that you can do there, and if you really want to tap into those direct performance and gains, head to the gym a couple of times a week, pay 10 bucks or whatever it is to get into your gym, use their gear, uh, and then, you know, you're done. So I hope that helps answer your question, John. If it doesn't, feel free to fire me through another one. Uh, otherwise, all the best with your training. If you Once you get your gear uh, and your setup, send me through what you actually ended up getting and I can recommend some alternate exercises depending on what gear you have ended up purchasing and you think around the specifics. The other thing is the body, body weight exercises are brilliant for those indirect performance gains. You can get so such a good training session in just with your body weight. Just go on Google, type in bodyweight exercises. There's hundreds and thousands of them out there. You can go and buy a special little package that outlines all the different exercises. Or just have a look on, on Google under images. There's tons and tons of things that will come up. Uh, fire me through the ones that you think might be useful for you or you want more clarification on. I'm always happy to help out uh, someone who's showing interest and wants to get those gains to help boost their performance.
All right, mate. I hope that helps. Let me know if it doesn't. Next question. Hi, Matty. Scott here from down Dunedin. How's things? Hey, sent you that email about a month ago, but um, yeah, finally get around to, to working this app after I listened to one of your podcasts. Um, yeah, just talking about um, being a bit flat after the coast to coast, to be honest. Um, spent, I had a big year last year, training and preparation for the race and, and got it done and had a bit of a relaxed couple of weeks and then thought I'll crack back into it, but um, been struggling a wee bit. Well, I don't know if it's being flat or or what it is, but certainly um, finding excuses not to do things these days. Um, whereas whereas last year, the, the commitments, the work and family, all that sort of stuff, I was, I was able to juggle it, but now now it's just, you're sort of finding excuses and just almost need a bloody jump start or, or something along those lines. So not sure if you've got anything in your book of tricks that uh, we could talk about on a podcast, but yeah, hey, anything would help. Cheers. Scott, thanks very much for your question, mate. Awesome to have another question uh, regarding the Coast to Coast. Well done on your performance, first of all. Absolutely fantastic to get through that uh, this year. And it'll be interesting to see what you've got in the cards for the future. But, yeah, post-race blues, okay? There's a little slump that you can find yourself in following a key race. It's very, very common um, in, in big races, okay? And I would almost go as far in saying that if you don't, get this slump or the post-race blues following a big key hard event then you haven't put enough into it okay you haven't put enough into it even if the race goes well even if it goes really well people can find themselves in this slump it's not just people that come out of a race and it didn't go well it's sometimes even if the race goes really and I'd almost go as far again to say that if the race doesn't go well People don't find themselves in the slump as much because they come out of the race and they're almost in punishment mode. I didn't go well enough, so I need to punish myself. I need to train harder. And and they just crack on with it and they're straight back into it. Whereas people, the race that went really, really well, they'd been focusing on it for six months, maybe even more, worked really hard up to it. It finishes, boom, that's it then they find themselves into this slump. Now, we're not talking about depression, okay? We're not talking about clinical depression, which is a different subject entirely. But it is an important subject because, in my experience, depression, clinical depression, is actually very prevalent in the endurance community. Uh, And maybe that's a topic for another day, but if we're just talking about post-race blues, feeling a little down, feeling a bit unmotivated following a key race, that's what we're talking about. So it is 100% normal, and I find it is extremely common. And you can understand why. For a long period of time, you have been building up to this race. Every morning when you wake up, you're doing specific things to get ready for that event. Everything is focused around that. And when you get to it, there's a huge release of stress hormones, endorphins, and then the next day you wake up and it's all over. And if you haven't got any other goals in mind, you feel a bit lost. It also lines up well with a term that I call the autumn rut. Because a lot of these races happen at the end of summer. You've spent all summer training in the warm, in the sun, loving life. And then all of a sudden, your race is finished and it starts to get cold. It starts to get dark. And so... I find that people get into this rut around autumn time, 
which for you, Scott, seems to be the case. So what can you do to minimize these post-race blues and get out of this autumn rut? Or at least minimize it. You can line up your next event before you even have your main event. So a lot of people have their race calendar planned out long, long in advance. And this is really important, but I would say try not to do this too much. Have a general idea of what you're going to do. But the second thing is is, is have some well-deserved time off after an event. Enjoy it. Embrace the time off just so that you're not going into your next build-up or your next goal event still tired, still, you know, burnt out, so to speak, from your last one. But having your next event lined up or at least knowing where you're heading is, is crucial. I get a lot of people coming to me saying, oh, can you write me a training program? I'm like, sure. What are you training for? Or I don't have anything in mind at the moment. First thing I say is go find some events that you're going to do. Go find a reason why we are training. Because if you're not training for something specific, you're just exercising. And exercising is all cool if your you know, goal is health and fitness. But it's not cool if you are looking at performance. So go and find yourself something else. Sign up for something. Not just long term. But I find something mid-winter is really good to aim for because it's in the foreseeable future. It puts a little bit of fuel on the fire, so to speak. Uh, So in New Zealand, South Island, the peak-to-peak multi-sport race. Smack bang in the middle of winter, really good thing to build towards for multi-sporters, I find. The other thing is take some complete time off and do something else. Don't worry about it. Just take some time off and embrace it. This is what I have found myself personally doing more and more. I will work towards a big event. After that event, I will completely go off the bandwagon, so to speak, and go completely rogue and spend a lot of time um, tramping, hunting, hanging out with the family, that sort of thing. So I go completely away from my uh, competitive training, so to speak. And then... I don't really get back into things until something else sparks my interest. And I think, oh, I have to do that. I really want to do that. To get that fire burning in the stomach again. So don't feel like you have to go and have another goal. Don't feel like that because you don't have to. You could cruise, do something completely different, have some fun, take some time out, enjoy time with the family, that sort of thing. So that when something does spark your interest boom the fire's lit and you get cracking back into things so there's a couple of different tacks i guess you could set yourself up so that you've got something directly to work towards straight afterwards or get a get done with your big event and then just mooch around keeping fit enjoying it as you should be because you know what this we do this all because it's meant to be fun and enjoyable and then once something sparks your interest boom that's what you're doing and you'll know i always remember the coast to coast back when i was uh 17 i did my first coast to coast when i was 18 soon as i was 18 which had to be the age for that i signed up paid my money boom i'm doing this and it was the most exciting thing in my life it was amazing the adventure the unknowns the training on the course the kayaking learning new skills it was all very exciting i had no issues with motivation 
However, now, after doing six coast-to-coasts and, and training through multiple years to improve my performance, it doesn't interest me at all anymore. So what do I do, And because uh, I spend a lot of time in endurance racing, working with people on different races, a lot of different races don't overly excite me. And because I do this because I love it, I love the challenge, I love the, the outdoors, the adventure, I don't go looking for races anymore. I find things that appeal to me. And when I found bikepacking and the tour of Aotearoa and brevet riding, it was just like, again, I got that same feeling that I did all those years ago when I first uh, entered the coast to coast. The adventure, the excitement, all of those things added up to be super fun and exciting. And it wasn't the stick motivation, beating myself to get out the door because I had to go and do this. It was the carrot motivation. It pulled me towards what I wanted to do, pulled me towards my goal. And so at the moment, I'm back in that drifter mode. I don't really have anything specific I'm working to. I'm keeping fit. I'm working on my strength training. I'm doing a few different things. But in terms of a key goal event, I don't have one. But I'm not in that rut. But once something sparks up and gets my attention, boom, I'll be on it like a bloodhound. But So you can go one of those two ways. Lock something in soon so that it gives you that motivation. Or just cruise and see if something does bite you. You get the bug again, so to speak. So I'm not sure if that actually helps at all. However... I also have a new training plan that has just been released, and it's called the Multi-Sport Winter Training Plan. All right, it might suit you very well. What it is, it's a blend of the tried-and-true aerobic-based development coupled with neuromuscular technique work and strength training. So it's all about maximizing the often neglected parts of training that multi-sport athletes neglect, either because they don't know how to do them or why or when to do them. Uh, it's about bringing all these things together so that you can maximize your winter-based training so that come spring and summer, you're ready to smash your goals, whatever they might be. So if you want to check out that training program, it's over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash MSWinter, MSWinter as in multi-sport winter. So if you want to check out that winter multi-sport plan, it may help you kick some of those post-race blues, get some direction with your training, but make sure you either lock in a goal or have something in mind at least so that you're working towards something, you're not just drifting. So there you go, team. I hope you found this week's episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast helpful. If you have any questions, please send them in. Head over to exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash ask. Send me through a voice message, and I will do my best to answer it. Also, while you're over there sending in those voice questions, if you have any feedback, send those voice feedbacks and i'd love to be able to play some feedback on the podcast from you guys what am i doing well what can i improve on i am always keen to learn please also make sure you like share and leave a review especially over on itunes if you could take one minute head over to itunes give me a review leave a comment it would be greatly appreciated it just helps rank this podcast higher in the list so that it gets more exposure and hopefully that makes it more sustainable leading 
into the future. Also, I am putting out regular sound bites, little sound bites from different episodes, looking at key topics that we talked about in those episodes. Hopefully, this makes them easier to listen to, refer back to, and share with your friends. Check them out either over on YouTube or SoundCloud. If there are any episodes or specific topics that you would like sound bited, sound bit, whatever the word is, you want me to make into a sound bite, send me an email and I will get onto those sooner than later. I think that is everything for this week. Until next week, get out, train hard, but most importantly, train smart. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>